You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. A very merry draft miss part two to all of you. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show. This is our day two reaction for the second day of the NFL draft. The Chiefs make two selections. Willie Gay, Jr., the linebacker out of Mississippi State. And Lucas Niang, the tackle out of TCU. And we got a lot to cover with these two guys. And here to help me do it. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, how we feeling today? Did this football team get better? Listen, I'm feeling pretty good. I like the way this draft is going for the Chiefs. It's nice that I feel like this went exactly how I thought it was in terms of just like the general plan, not exact players, but the general plan the Chiefs are going after. I feel like I had a pretty good beat on what the Chiefs are trying to do this year. Whether I agree or not, it doesn't matter. I just, I like knowing that I had the right plan in mind going into it. It's been a fun draft. Day two was a blast. Like this day one was stressful. Day two was a blast. Chiefs made some good picks. Other teams made crazy picks. I'm feeling good, even though it's nearing 1 a.m. over here. How you doing over there? Barley Stunna, a.k.a. Craig Stout. Man, I thought we shed that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, the Chiefs took an athletic linebacker. I don't have to watch slow linebackers all the time anymore. I'm, I'm very excited about that. I frankly, I like the Lucas Nyang pick quite a bit as well. I'm, we'll dive into both of those, but it was a fun day. Lots of fun picks. Right, our good buddy, Jacob Morley. Lots, lots of fun picks today, right? All the fun picks. We're having so much fun. <laughs> I'm so conf- I'm so confused about your Packers. <laughs> yes, but we're not. This isn't a Packers show. Well, we uh, we we saw two picks picks like we said. Um, I uh, I really like what this football team did today too, guys. Uh, I I don't really have a ton of complaints so far, except for Brett Veach has yet to make a top 100 selection at the cornerback position. I almost I almost like I'm really feeling like I need to apologize to Maddie because Maddie has been banging the drum for the last two years of the Chiefs don't care about quarterback. Brett Veach does not care about cornerback. And Maddie, you might be right. I don't think it's he doesn't care. I'm pretty sure he just doesn't know what the position is. <laughs> like, I'm fairly sure at this point in time, like, he just thinks that there's, like, this mystery. Like, he just throws players out there and they play somewhere on the field, but he's not exactly sure where. And, like, 
why are you going to invest high capital if you're just throwing extras on the field for some reason? Like this is like finding a bonus toy in a box of cereal when you're a kid. Like you're not trying to get it. It just happens to be there. With Steve Spagnuolo here now, you're looking for a very specific type of corner. The Seattle Seahawks have done this for years. It's a very specific type of cornerback. They are often guys that you can find later in the draft. You build your defense up the middle. You force everything outside to long good zone eyes, good ball skill corners, and you hope they make plays and just don't get roasted time and time again. I'm with you guys. I want a cornerback one. I don't like seeing Charvarius Ward get torched in the playoffs. I don't like Bashad Breeland's holding penalties early in the regular season, but it's just not the way that the Chiefs have to build a defense. It's that simple, I think. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. If you listen to what Bill Belichick's kind of theory is on the Move the Sticks podcast from about a month ago, it lines up with a lot of what Steve Spagnuolo does and all those things that Maddie just said right there. Now, I know that most everybody listening to this podcast right now really wants Bryce Hall on this team. I do too. I get it. Bryce Hall had a really, really, really bad injury he fractured his leg he dislocated his ankle and frankly teams just haven't been able to get medicals on him because they haven't been able to go to pro days haven't been able to have him in house and have their own medical staff check him there he was at the combine they got to look at him a little bit there but he wasn't far enough along in the rehab process just yet so all these people that are just wondering why Bryce Hall wasn't the pick at 63 and then again at 96. Guys, it's because of the injury. He did fall. I think he's still the spot that the Chiefs could fall in here. But once again, Brett Feach does not address cornerback in the top 100, despite the fact that both of his cornerbacks are out of contract next year. All right, let's go ahead and start talking about the two selections that the Chiefs did make. Uh, I want to go around the room and let everybody kind of talk about their takes on Willie Gay Jr., the linebacker out of Mississippi State. And let's start with Craig. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, We talked a little bit on the previous podcast, a little more specific for Willie Gay there, but the guy can move. Uh, the guy plays in the slot sometimes. He he plays a little bit of will. I think he will play as a will linebacker for Steve Spagnolo. That was one of the few holes that the Chiefs really had on this team, and now it's filled. I would expect Willie Gay to be a day one impact player with a crazy high upside and Frankly, that's exactly what you're trying to draft at the bottom of the second round there. When you have a team that's as complete as it is with the starters that they have, if you can land one of those starters and be able to turn around and have a guy that has this kind of upside, you love it. Like it, It's a wonderful pick for me. Jake? I think, yeah, Willie Gay was probably my least favorite of the, of the three picks. Not to say I don't like him as a prospect. I, I do. Um, but first of all, when you watch him, it's tough because there's not a lot of film out there on him. Um, the dude's got a lot of off-field concerns. I know he talked about – they talked about in the offseason. Um, his interviews went well. and all, that's, all, that's all fine and dandy, but he's going to have to prove it in his career that that stuff's behind him. Um, at, the, at the combine, he was described to me as an athletic Vontez perfect. And so you could take that – a lot of different ways. Uh, Perfect was actually a pretty good linebacker when he was on the field, but he was a loose he was a loose right. cannon. Um, and and is is that what that guy meant when he said that? Uh, his his history would indicate that maybe 
Um, he's going to have some off-field concerns. Um, some immaturity issues is really what it boils down to. But on the field, um, I think he's a guy that, you know, when he sees something, he goes. He is shot out of a cannon. He goes. Sometimes he's going in the wrong direction. And I don't always see the instincts. But, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always revert back to there's not a ton of film on him. And with a guy like that, that might just be because he didn't play. He hasn't played a ton of linebackers. Um, you know, that's stuff that, that can get better the more you play. Um, of the three picks, so he was my least favorite. Um, but I still would give it like a C. You know, like, it's not like I don't like the pick. It's not like I don't like him as a prospect because I do. And I think he fits a, 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 he fits a good need for the Chiefs, and I think it'll be interesting to watch him develop. Um, he's, in a, he's in a system that's going to really cater to what he does well. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. For me, it's just the big bonus is like not only is he going to do all your typical, you know, weak side linebacker things here. He's not he's going to chase down plays from behind, make plays by the line of scrimmage, so on and so forth. But he's already a pretty good coverage player. Like I'd say his instincts are probably even better in coverage. He has a good feel for zone. He looks natural dropping into his hook zones. He gets good width. He gets good depth. Like he makes it hard to complete passes around him and has the athleticism to match up with running backs or tight ends and man. So like that's a good bonus. Like that's a lot more valuable than just a run defending linebacker. So like I already think that helps. And then you add on the simple fact that this stops Ben Neiman and Daniel Sorensen from being on the field more often. So that's a double or triple win depends on how you look at it for the chiefs. Like you have an actual coverage linebacker. You don't need to fabricate one from some other players that that does help the team. So like I'm all here for that. I think Willie Gay is a very good pick for the chiefs. I'm glad they were able to get him. and listening to or looking at some of the quotes from Brett Veach's press conference here. It sounds like they were eyeballing him from the very tough start of the day. It's, you know, it's hard to find guys that like, like I think we've said this a couple times the last couple weeks or so. It's hard to find dense guys that can play for Steve Spagnolo at linebacker from a density perspective that can cover, that can that are athletic enough to really contribute as a as a will linebacker. I mean, it's hard to find those guys. It's difficult, and most of the, most of the time, those guys go in round one. Willie Gay's athletic profile matches up with anybody in this draft class. Anybody. Mm-hmm. It does. And he's a, he's a round one athlete. <laughs> he might be. I think he's more fluid than Kenneth Murray. Frankly. And and so, you know, we look at this and you've you've got the athletic profile. You've got some off field concerns. You got you had to clean some stuff up there. Um, I do think there are some in- instinct concerns with him. But I think they've got a perfect situation for him to develop. They get a guy that will probably start for them year one at Will Linebacker that is going to be playing for Matt House, who is whose whose job is to develop guys like Willie Gay. And so they just were able to go out and grab a guy with all the tools that has some, you know, a little rough around the edges. There's some questions there, obviously. But I think this is a perfect situation for him. The accountability in that room for him. You know, in that in the, on the defensive side of the football with Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark. You know, Frank Clark was kind of classified as a loose cannon at one point. And it, and I mean, he he still kind of is. Yeah, but like I don't. But <laughs> let's I, be real. I, if you, I I did not see it affect his his play once this entire season, at all. Mm-hmm. I and you know Frank Clark has a history of punching teammates. Willie Gay punched his quarterback <laughs> before a playoff game. So I mean. I, I feel pretty comfortable with this pick. I, I like the move. They've obviously done a lot of work on him. 
I like the upside of the move. But I wanted right, to touch on one a- more thing, kind of going okay. back to that Vontez perfect, but you know, athletic aspect. Willie Gay is also like he might be one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL right now. He also does not play like a finesse linebacker. Craig's talked no. about it. He and he reminded Craig and I of Derek Johnson the way he's able to slip blocks with his body control and his explosiveness. But he has no problem delivering big hits or taking on a pulling guard or anything like that. Like he's 245 pounds and he uses it. He plays like it. He has the speed to play a little finesse, but he's not a finesse player. So like, yeah, that physicality that Vontez Perfect plays with, it's there. It's just on a lot more explosive of a package and a much, much better NFL athlete. So it's just a lot of fun to watch him play. Craig, did you have anything else on Willie Gay? I uh, Last thing. Chiefs fans are going to love him. I I know the types of players that Chiefs fans kind of uh, uh, glom onto a little bit. Willie Gay loves loud crowds. He loves being on the field. You see him before every snap just getting the crowd into it a lot. I know people think of Chris Jones, Frank Clark. You know, back in the day, Tomaha Lee would get guys into it. Willie Gay is of that same ilk there, so... Definitely a type of player that is going to help make Arrowhead bigger and better. So I think in that regard that the Chiefs fans are going to really kind of fall in love with him a little bit, even though he's already a linebacker. I mean, they're going to love him anyway, but I think they're going to really fall in love with him in a hurry. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back to break down pick 96 right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we just got done breaking down Willie Gay, the 63rd pick in the draft to your Kansas City Chiefs, your world champion Kansas City Chiefs. And now it is time to talk about Lucas Niang, the tackle out of TCU who went 96 and probably should have gone a little bit earlier than he did if it weren't for a labrum issue. Maddie, you were the primary grader on Lucas Niang. Let's start with you. What are your initial thoughts on Lucas Niang? Well, the first thing I would let everybody know, when you go watch Lucas Nyang film yourself, if you choose to, please pick 2018. If you start with 2019, you are going to see some very weird stuff. Some of it's good. Some of it's not good. He was playing with a hip labrum injury. He was playing through it. Eventually, TCU had to shut him down. He has come out and said like it affected how he moved. He could not take even his traditional pass set. It looked more like a basketball player trying to backpedal down a court when you watch him try to set for a pass is the best way I could describe it. That's not how he plays all the time. That was injury related. Watch 2018. And what you're getting is a massive human that plays incredibly light on his feet with some of the better lateral agility that you're going to find out of this class. His ability to mirror rushers without getting his hands on them, just to mirror rushers up the arc or when they adjust back inside is incredible for a guy his size. He's got good explosion out of the line of scrimmage. Like he's rarely playing behind. He does need some work with his hands. He's very much a catcher. With his arms, he doesn't get strong punches out there. But if you don't move his arms first, 
once he gets them on you, he has the feet, foot quickness to mirror you and control you wherever you go with as strong as he is. You just clean up his hand technique and how he's able to punch into the chest of rushers. You're going to have yourself a really good tackle at the next level. Jake? Yeah, I really like him. Um, I think it sounds like they're going to kick him into guard, which is a little bit of a head scratcher to me. I hope they don't. Um, But if they do, that's fine. Uh, I think when you look at him, you you know, the term that you that kind of comes to mind is dancing bear. Like he is your prototypical um, size type guy. His his body's a little bit sloppy right now for a tackle, but I think he can clean that up. And that honestly might have to do with the injuries um, that he's dealing with this year anyways. Um, But this was my favorite pick for the Chiefs today. Um, I'll say it. Once I'll say it a hundred times. Any anytime you can get someone that's going to protect Pat, keep him upright. You know, even if you do kick him into guard, I think he's going to do a good job there. So um, I think he fits a, an area of need for the Chiefs, and I think he's a, just an excellent value where they got him as well. I mean, we were talking early second round. You know, was the range I think is his ceiling for him, um, and I think honestly the Chiefs kind of got him at his floor, or however you would phrase that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. I. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that as well. And another guy that medicals factored in for certain. Uh, there are two ways that this pick can go. Either the Chiefs can move him into guard and have him be a guard next year and really help contribute to protecting Patrick Mahomes, or the Chiefs can move him to tackle, have him study under Mitchell Schwartz, have him study under Eric Fisher, and really kind of take on that role in 2021 and beyond. The Chiefs are going to need a guy. Eric Fisher is cuttable in 2021 for a lot of money. Mitchell Schwartz is not getting younger. They needed to address tackle at some point, and Lucas Niang can play tackle at an NFL level. This is not going to be a situation where the Chiefs are going to try and make an emergency move to try and fill a spot and keep Patrick Mahomes healthy. Lucas Niang can develop and become a very solid starting tackle at the NFL level. And frankly, at 96, that is a steal. Even if you redshirt him a year, that is an absolute steal. I love this pick. I absolutely love this pick. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, the thing about, like, this draft, this tackle class, we are extremely high on this tackle class. We really love what this tackle class is. And this is rare. There's not, it's not very often that you're going to get this kind of depth at the tackle position. And the Chiefs, like we've all said, they need a tackle. I know some people are upset, but they're going to need a tackle here pretty quick. Uh, whether it's to help make a decision on an Eric Fisher. What happens with Mitchell Schwartz moving forward? Who knows? Who knows how long Mitchell Schwartz has left? I mean, tackles, like, we'll see. You know, the tackle position is a very demanding position. And the Chiefs went out and in a draft that was deep, waited until pick 96 to get a guy who we think is one of the 60 best players in this draft class. Obviously, the labrum issue moved him off of you know some of those that, that draft spot and we got him the Chiefs got him in a, a very very palatable range even if he doesn't even if he doesn't play year one if he doesn't play year one and this is just a pure red shirt at tackle I, I still love the pick because you were like Lucas Niang in another draft probably goes in the second round even with the labrum injury they're taking swings on a on a thinner tackle class. But this tackle class is deep. The Chiefs made the smart move here to go grab 
a an offensive lineman that I really like too. I think he's got, he, he has out, outstanding feet, outstanding movement skills. There's so much to work with, and he's still only 21 years old. He's a four-year senior, still 21 years old. Doesn't turn 22 until August. There's a lot of projectability left in him. There's a lot of projectability to this player. Andy Hex got a lot of tools to work with to develop. Um, Maddie, I know you wanted to talk about this a little bit because it did sound like Brad Veach has said that he might be able to kick inside and help at guard immediately. Um, I know you have some opinions on that. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. It is very, very rare in the NFL for an often a college offensive tackle to come in, switch to offensive guard for a year or two years, and then switch back outside to offensive tackle. It doesn't happen because you have a limited practice reps to get used to this. You are going to take a player, you're going to teach him an entirely new position, maybe on a different side of the line of scrimmage than he's used to, and you're going to do that in one year. You're then going to take him and move him back to another new position that he has to spend the entire next offseason learning. Only one offseason, maybe two again. You cannot keep just throwing these guys around. There's a reason that Jonathan Ogden, Laramie Tunzel, these are elite top-end talents that did this. Not a developmental tackle that has to work on his pad level, has to work on his set points out of his stance, has to work on his hands. Like Lucas Nyang, very talented. He needs work. You don't need to move him and develop him at guard to try to kick him back out and then develop him at tackle. You're wasting half or his entire rookie contract because you're trying to teach him all these new positions. If you want to play him at guard, that's fine. Put him at guard, teach him how to play guard, and let him be a good guard. If you want to be a little bit smarter, let him redshirt his first year, play tackle because he has the athleticism to play the more valuable position, and I think he will be better at tackle than he is at guard, then do that. Just quit trying to have this plan to bounce in between them because that simply doesn't happen. Who is the last Andy Reid player to be drafted as a tackle, move to guard and play significant time, not because of an injury, and then go back to tackle? Because I couldn't think of one or come up with one when I was looking before the draft started. I don't think it exists, and it's just not a common thing in the NFL. That is not a plan of attack. you got to pick a position for him to play. You don't want him to be your utility sixth offensive lineman. You didn't just draft Cameron Irving. You drafted a starter. Pick where he's going to start now so he can learn to do it at the best of his ability. Yeah, I yeah, it's probably a pick and stick for him. It, you're you're right, Maddie. Historically, if he moves inside, he's probably moving inside forever. Which and is here's fine. my take on this. I would tend to agree, Maddie. I would prefer them to just let him play tackle because tackle is a much more Laramie Tunsil just got twenty two million dollars a year. Now part of that is Bill O'Brien's fault because he like literally overpaid for the tackle market by like 20, 25% on a per year average. But that tackle position is expensive and it is difficult to find guys out there. It's difficult to pay guys out there. And I do agree. Lucas Deang has enough uh, athleticism to stick outside left or right. If you kick him inside, it's probably to move him permanently inside. It's easier to find guards. I like the idea of having a guy, a, a player at the ready in 2021 at the tackle position so you can potentially move on from an Eric Fisher or if you know or whenever Mitch Schwartz moves on, you have someone ready. I love the idea of that. Um I would prefer them to to develop him as a tackle. That being said, if he moves into guard, he's gonna be a very good guard. And he's a 
probably day one starter at guard is my guess. So I'm not going to be upset either way, although I do agree with Maddie that I think there is some unrealized potential there. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to go around the room. I want you guys all to give a grade on the first two days of the draft and then your favorite player that the Chiefs have taken so far. We will start with Craig. Uh, I'm going to do... Let's go A minus. I gave Willie Gay an A pick. I gave Lucas Nang an A pick. Either way that they go with him. I, Clyde Edwards Elair was my lowest so far, and I loved him. Gave him a B plus still. So I I I think Willie Gay is going to be my favorite just because I finally get to watch a chase linebacker in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. Jake. Um, I would give the uh, so far a B plus uh, Clyde, and I'm just out, and that's probably just because I'm lower on Willie Gay. I love the Niang, I love the Alaire picks. Those both would probably be A A minuses for me, um, and then Willie Gay would probably be a C C plus. So uh, my favorite pick would be Clyde. I just think he's going to be in contention for Offensive Rookie of the Year next year, um, and I think that's I think that's a fair assessment to make because that's such an easy transition uh transitional position but uh so far i mean the these chiefs are really knocking it out of the park Maddie? yeah i'm gonna have to i'm going with an a minus as well and i wanted to give them a b plus because i try to be very stingy with draft grades and the fact that you know i think we did pass on some quality players to get willie gay and i still really like that pick and we passed on some other quality players to get lucas Nyang that i may have would have taken over those guys but I still really like the picks. And in a vacuum, I gave those both, I believe, A-minuses. So it's hard to give this draft anything but an A-minus for me. My favorite picks, my guy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I've been on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire since, what, October, November, whenever they played yeah. Florida, going watching him live. There was one specific run of the goal line. I tweeted it out. From that moment on, I knew he was a guy I liked. So the fact that the Chiefs got him and somebody that I kind of just saw out of nowhere when no one was talking about him was really cool. I went even higher than I thought he would at the time, but it's just, yeah, I'm a huge Clyde Edwards Hilaire fan, always have been. So I'm glad that we got him going on here. Uh, I'm going with the B plus. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think I'm going with Lucas Niang. For my favorite pick, I, I think I'm going to go with Lucas Nyang for my favorite pick. I and I I just love the idea of them being it's it's the idea of them potentially being able to replace uh, an Eric Fisher maybe next year with a cheap cost controlled tackle who I believe has the chops to do it potentially. Now, obviously, even if they kick him inside the guard, they got better for 2020 and beyond because he's gonna you're gonna drop him into the offensive line. He's gonna play there for 10 years. I really believe that, even if he's a guard, and the value is a little bit diminished. Um, I still think he's a very good football player. I think they got exceptional value. And if everything checks out medically, which obviously they feel comfortable doing at 96, whew, they got a very good football player. And I think that's the thing. Regardless of what they did here, they got a good football player, whether they play him at guard, whether they play him at tackle. All right, that is going to do it for the day two show, the AP Draft Show. We will be back to break down day three tomorrow. We'll catch you later.